Welcome to the Social World Podcast, Thoughts on the Social World. I'm Dave Niven and this is Podcast 51. This week I'm going to talk about various shades of uh, child protection matters. Uh, We had a week in which uh, David Cameron, the Prime Minister, announced uh, that he wanted to see a new offence of willful neglect that would be aimed at uh, professionals who did not disclose child uh, child protection matters, child abuse, whether a child was in danger or not, uh, and if they could be prosecuted and imprisoned for up to five years in an extreme case. Um, and there's been quite a debate about that because I don't think anybody would want to see um, anybody re- you know, not telling about a child protection matter. But at the same time, we all know in the business that half of the training is all to do about sharing already anyway, working together so that anybody, whether it's a teacher, whether it's somebody else working in a school, whether it's a health professional, a social worker, somebody working in social services, residential care, police officer, whoever, who has even got an inkling that there's something wrong in a child's life or in a family set up, that they should share it. They should talk about it. And two heads are always better than one, and three heads are better than two, and so on, when it comes to making decisions as to whether or not there's risk involved to a particular child. So all our training is geared towards that in the first place. So that when David Cameron comes out and starts talking about uh, he needs a new offence in, in light of the Oxfordshire case where you know dozens and dozens and dozens of, of mainly young women were abused over a, a long period of time systemically and now um, seven of this organised crime gang were actually jailed for long periods of time and hundreds of victims need still to be offered support and therapeutic support. The actual report into that said that, in their opinion, there was there was stupidity, maybe. There was certainly a failure to protect. There was certainly lack of communication between agencies. Opportunities were missed. But there was never any willful neglect. And that was the report that said that. That's not just my conclusion. So I'm, I'm not really quite sure where David Cameron's coming from. I really hope he's not playing to the gallery because when you do that with children's lives and already with the very delicate relationships that there are with frontline professionals, it makes it very, very difficult. Um, Oxfordshire just happens, I think, to be one of his his constituency anyway and and I'm I'm sure he wanted to impress his own constituents with his uh, determination to stamp this out and good, good for that. I think he would have been much better talking about putting more resources into frontline help for victims, into training in identification of victims, signs and symptoms and so forth, rather than just um, coming heavy-handed and talk about jailing officials, as he put it. There is going to be a rash coming out. There are going to be many, many more cases coming out now. And we know that with the various uh, cases that we heard of in Rotherham and in Rochdale and Sheffield and Doncaster and uh, in Oxford, apart from the many others that we're going to hear about fairly soon, the historic child abuse inquiries that are going to happen, that are going to cover a huge number of institutions, whether it's 
local authorities or hospitals or trusts or the BBC, wherever that there has been identified systemic abuse of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of children and young people that we're going to actually feel as if we're deluged with this, as if there's an epidemic of child abuse. Whereas I honestly think we should have a think about the other side of the coin and say, look, the more sophisticated that we're getting as a society in understanding abuse and understanding and accepting that this does happen to children and young people, it did happen in the past, it still happens now, but people are trusting a bit more. People are far more sensitive now and far better informed now about what to do, where to go and have more confidence in talking to authorities about what happened to them and confronting abusers and being perhaps less scared of them and understanding that the boyfriends that they had, the relationships that were formed were done in a, in a nefarious way rather than in any kind of romantic way where some or many of these young women especially felt that that, that was the case and they couldn't really understand the level of abuse that was happening to them. We're much better now informed about what we should be helping parents understand because many, many of these hundreds of young girls had parents and were living at home and they were out of the parental control, out of the parental watchful eye, as well as the local authorities not being able to uh, identify what was happening to them. But at the same time, the parents, of course, were completely out of control as well. So it's really more of a case of we're getting better at it. But I think like anything, like Lansing or Boyle, call it what you like, there is more to come before we can actually get to the root of things and before we can actually understand. We are shining a light on this now far, far more than we ever did. And whereas, yes, we're going to have to be prepared for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cases to come to light, we've got to look at it in a way that we're actually dealing with it a little bit like um, antibiotics or whatever the analogy would be, we're actually um, allowing these young people now to have confidence in coming forward and talking about it. So that's the context that I would ask that we look at this in. Now, secondly, and interestingly in this week, and ironically possibly, I was invited on to the BBC programme Newsnight to talk about um, the first conviction in this country up in Newcastle uh, that came as a result of vigilante activity, where a group of vigilantes uh, in, entrapped uh, a man uh, into thinking that he was going to have a, a sexual relationship with an underage child, and when he turned up they confronted him, they got it on video, and they submitted their evidence to the authorities. The authorities took it to the courts and he was convicted and he was jailed for about two, two and a half years. And the issue then became one of, should we encourage vigilantism of this sort? Should we encourage entrapment like this? Um, because, of course, you can argue that's the more the merrier in terms of getting people who hurt children off the streets confronted and... Uh, worried that this is going to happen to them and it might just stop them crossing that line. But on the other hand, America, you have the example where there are television programs that actually encourage this. But 
to my mind, they're more like entertainment, vicarious entertainment of actually sort of trying to sort of solve crime and have uh, groups of people running around, if you like, um, almost like sort of testosterone fueled adolescents um, playing the superhero and chasing down crooks and criminals and so forth, but not within any structured law enforcement system. And I find that very, very dangerous in terms of the possible abuses that that could incur. And to be quite frank too, the miscarriages of justice, because I was making the point, I do remember, when the newspaper in the UK called the News of the World was in existence, there was one year, not that long ago, when it published the pictures and identities of uh, a dozen or two dozen or whatever paedophiles, convicted paedophiles, and actually where they lived. Now, what happened then was that many men who resembled these paedophiles and who, or who looked like them or who lived in somewhere that sounded like it were attacked. And there was even one instance where uh, it was a female, a paediatrician, was attacked by somebody that thought because she had the, word, the, 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 the prefix ped in front of her case that she in fact was a sex offender, which of course just illustrates that what ignorance can bring and what somehow dangerous something like this can be. And I think what we should be looking at far more is, yeah, we've got to do everything we possibly can and I want everything we can legally to, 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 to stop sex offending but it should be bulking up the resources of law enforcement and the agencies who are charged with it. There's a huge shortfall in the UK at the moment of social workers. There's a huge shortfall of police officers who can be put aside to actually deal with this because of all the other responsibilities that they have for, you know, for criminal identification within the, in the community. So what we really need to be doing is looking to bulk this up. In my view, people will remember not long ago, last winter in this country, we had severe flooding and it was declared national emergency and many, many millions of pounds put aside to deal with that. Well, I think that the scale of child abuse in this country is such that it's equivalent to a national emergency. And ultimately, we should be looking to fund that and we should be looking to provide funding to train far, far more people and far more in, uh, investigative people and far more law enforcement officers as well as social workers and, crucially, as well as therapeutic support when we identify victims and survivors of abuse that should be where we're targeting it. And a lot of people might argue, well, we're spending billions on upgrading our uh, nuclear weapons. We're spending billions in selling off Eurotunnel. We're spending millions in this, that and the next government initiative. Hundreds of millions of pounds have been spent and wasted on uh, aborted uh, IT systems and goodness knows what else, computerised records for this, that and the next government department, why, for goodness sake, can't we build in a thorough, huge input of resources that would, for once and for all, get to tackle the scale of sexual abuse, the scale of general child abuse in this country, and look at some of the actual symptoms as well as the offenders, because we're maybe okay at getting a hold of offenders with law enforcement. We might be keeping just up with them in terms of law enforcement, but we're nowhere near 
keeping up with the identification and support for victims. That is a poor, poor second. And therefore, resources are needed crucially in a major way to tackle, to tackle this. Now, I said there had been a kind of rash of stories this week and a rash of, of, of issues that had come forth. And another one in which I was invited to, to um, comment on a radio programme was somehow or other people had got a hold of the fact that there, uh, well, the BBC this was, they got a hold of the fact that there had been a, a huge increase, it seemed, in cases of children in need in particular areas. And in this case, it was Wiltshire. And effectively, the somehow or other were linking this with child abuse well I mean for what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you hear that interview but as well as that the point I was trying to make was well look children in need are not child abuse children that are abused children in need are children in need of support children in need of the improvement of the quality of their lives children who are not being abused necessarily and who haven't come within the child protection umbrella but who are suffering for because of family circumstances or personal circumstances or whatever and need that bit of support, need a, a societal arm put around them for some particular time and need some good, solid, professional social work intervention. So there was that unusual thing because they were tying this in to the Oxford case, to the, 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 the historic child abuse case, to the fact that the, uh, this business about... Um, mandatory reporting and so forth and thinking that is this a knee-jerk reaction to it well it's nothing to do with that really it's to do with the fact that um, there are always going to be um, blips up and down in terms of numbers because you can never predict exactly how many children in need are going to be in any particular area in any particular year because populations come and go and circumstances come and go and I'll tell you this certainly within the austerity measures a result of this appalling crisis caused by the bankers, that effectively there are going to be far, far more children in poverty and families in crisis and families in stress and increases in mental health problems and increases in substance abuse issues within families where they don't know how to turn to things and also issues to do with alcoholism and also to do with... Um, that just just general pressure within the family, unemployment, etc., and everything that causes situations where children, unfortunately, are the ones that suffer. So, social workers, too few of them, far more needed. Child protection, yep, but it needs to be done by professionals in order to get it done properly and stop any anomalies happening. And thirdly, Historic abuse, get on with it. That inquiry that the Home Secretary has announced really needs to happen and start happening now. Uh, it's going to go on for years. We know this. So whatever new government comes our way in uh, May of this year, I really hope that they've got the same commitment to maintaining and promoting that inquiry however long it takes. And it might. It might just even take longer then the length of the next government is going to be that comprehensive. So I'll let you hear this uh, interview with uh, BBC Wiltshire in a minute. But um, one other thing I would like to say is that uh, it's now into my second month chairing the Tameside Safeguarding Children Board and it's been a fascinating time and I'm hoping to bring you some things in the future from it. I'm going to be doing a podcast with the person who is... Um, 
managing what they call the hub, which is the, a multi-agency service hub to do with all disciplines under one roof, which is an increasingly important and uh, contemporary way of actually offering service to the public. That's going to be a fascinating interview. I'm also going to um, do an interview with ECPAT, the new UK chair of ECPAT, um, Barty Patel, who's going to talk to us all about not only uh, slavery within the UK, but the, the wider international picture as well. And I'm really hoping that soon I'm going to be doing a podcast too with David Jones, who's now uh, taken over as the, the, the president of the UK Chairs of um, Local Safeguarding Children Boards, which is becoming an increasingly pivotal, sensitive and important role. So there's lots more to come on the podcasts in the very near future. So thank you very much. Okay, and uh, let's listen to that Wiltshire interview. Let's chat to David Niven, the former chairman of the British Association of Social Workers. David, good morning. Good morning. Are you a fan of what David Cameron and the government said? In parts. Um, I, I think, you know, we always should encourage people to, to tell anything that they know about a child at risk. And if any public official uh, knows that a child has been at risk and doesn't do anything about it, then absolutely they should be challenged. I mean, it's up to others to determine what particular kind of challenge, but things are in place already within social work, within the police and whatever, to discipline people who don't actually do what they're meant to do. But I think the Swindon story is, is um, you've got to disentangle an awful lot of what you were talking about there. Um, I mean, not all the children that have been referred to social services and who maybe have referred them, the families themselves to social services would be considered to be at risk. This is not a kind of all at safety issue. This is a child in need in many cases. And many circumstances determine why children are in need, whether it's um, family circumstances, whether it's poverty, whether it's particular issues to do with the child, whether it's education matters, health matters, whatever, that social workers do get involved with this to try and actually improve the quality of life of children and families. And that's what the Swindon social workers seem to be doing. I mean, the so, so the, the figures going up, not necessarily a fear, a worry to you? Well, not necessarily. I would really need to look at it more, you know, more closely because, I mean, you know, this could be a good sign. This could be a sign that people are trusting social workers in Swindon, that are trusting social services to help them. I mean, like I said, the, the, the contact with the Oxford thing is perhaps a, a bit wrong. I, I'd never heard of a particular problem that Swindon has that Oxford came up against. I mean, we haven't heard that, and I think we were wrong to suggest to people that that's a problem in Swindon. But anything that improves uh, communication, like you were saying, is important. And I'm sure there are things that can improve communication between agencies. I mean, I myself chair a Safeguarding Children Board in the, um, in, in the Midlands, and, and I know for a fact that communication is always top of the agenda, because if you don't talk to each other, you don't get to know things. And of all the serious case reviews and problems that occurred uh, that we've had perhaps in the last year, nobody's ever said that uh, it's because there was too much communication between agencies. It's always been there was too little. So that's definitely true, what people are saying. And, and, oh. and with all that in mind that you've said, David Niven, I mean, there's been no head of safeguarding in place since September. So surely mm. that can't help. December, sorry. 
Of course not. I mean, I, I mean, every, that seems to me a key post, and I'm sure that the councillors you talk to there are urgently looking to fill it. I, and I hope they're very, for the sake of the people of Swindon, they fill it very soon, because I, I don't think anybody would disagree that that's a key post. Uh, Sean in Salisbury says, again, so many organisations working together in the same case, not always a good thing. I mean, you've almost touched upon that, that it is as long as they are talking to each other. But what drives people insane when they look at what's happened ultimately in Oxford or in Rotherham is, is those gaping holes. Absolutely. And I tell you this, there, there's, there is a, a, an initiative kind of getting a, a lot of traction across the country now to do with uh, integrated services and to do with um, fewer agencies going into places and more key people working in, in, in what they call like hubs, multi-agency hubs. And, and I know for a fact that that's something that every, every authority is looking at to cut down the number of professionals going into families and actually reducing the kind of um, duplication, if you like, of services, that most certainly is an advance and that's most certainly, I'm certain Swindon's looking at this as well. Yeah, well, I think Swindon also buying into what Wiltshire's done with MASH, which is one of those hubs that you mm. speak about, yeah. that yeah. the, the Wiltshire Council certainly says is helping. Finally, uh, with what you said about the cases in Swindon and, and relating it, or not, as the case may be, to Oxfordshire and Rotherham, but the whole conversation the nation's having at the moment, and David Cameron's comments as well about potential jail sentences, mm. is the whole... The whole prospect of working in this particular field now going to be less attractive? Yes, I, I think it is. I mean, because unfortunately, it seems to be always the case that we focus on the negatives. I mean, any day in England and Wales, there's 30 to 40,000 children who are subject to child protection plans. In other words, and social workers are working their socks off to try and interrupt abuse to these children and working with them. But we only ever hear about the ones that are uh, that become problematic. When did you last hear a headline that says social worker does good job? I mean, that's what's missing. We're missing balance in this country because social workers are terribly hardworking, sensitive, decent people who are really careful about what they do normally. And we only ever hear about the negativity. We really should actually applaud the positivity of, of the, the social workers that are there in the front line protecting children every day. David Niven, thank you. The former chairman of the British Association of Social Workers. Well, there we are. Now, my thanks to Alba Digital Media, as always, for the technical support on this podcast. Uh, you can always download it on iTunes, Stitcher, Podfeed. You can look up the website, socialworldpodcast.com. Um, as well as the fact you can uh, tweet at Dave Niven. So let me know. And remember that, that um, little kind of uh, button, if you like, beside the podcast that you can just click uh, and leave a message. Please look at that as well. Leave your feedback. Give me some ideas about podcasts you'd like to hear. Good luck to you. Speak to you next time. Thank you.